You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Tuesday, November the 2nd. It really is bright and early. It's 3.30 a.m. as I speak to you from Del Mar, Southern California, where the draw took place for this weekend's Breeders' Cup. Last night was officiating at that. Fair to say mixed fortunes for the European invaders. The three defending champions, Ordaria, Glass, Slippers, Tanawa, all either far outside or far inside, more of which later in the programme. And I'll be wrapping up all the news and snippets I could gather from Del Mar yesterday. But the racing world's eyes were on Australia's great sporting institution last night. And given that I am where the turf meets the surf, it seems entirely fitting I should borrow another line from Bing Crosby to tell you that the Melbourne Cup this year was a swellagant, elegant party for Kiwis, Chris Waller and James McDonald, both now based in Australia and both celebrating overdue debut wins in the Melbourne Cup. A fabulous performance. David Yates from the Daily Mirror from Very Elegant. Yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? Um, very Elegant. Many British-based uh, race fans will remember from her battles a couple of years ago with a Dave, obviously at much shorter trips. And she's done this Australian or this Antipodean thing, hasn't she, of uh, being adept at uh, and, and successful at a variety of trips now two miles in the Melbourne Cup. An incredible result. And as you say, and how uh, she scooted away, fairly scooted away to win by four lengths. The uh, Spanish mission would, ran an excellent race in third for Andrew Balding. Twilight Payments, the defending champion for Joseph O'Brien, was back in 11th. But yeah, this was an amazing story. Chris Waller, as you say, the son of a, of a dairy farmer, I believe, in New Zealand, rose from humdrum beginnings in the training ranks i believe he was supported by his now wife steph's modeling career uh, during the early days well i suppose we can all relate to that uh, he's reached the very summit of his profession uh, in australia he stayed at home didn't he? he he was interviewed in sydney at his base there and was tearful as uh, he reacted to the result but yeah this was uh, this was a there was lots of controversy i think leading up to the melbourne cup as to as to the way that perhaps it was being close to outsiders the veterinary procedures etc etc but what we got uh, in the early hours of this morning was an absolutely barnstorming performance from the winner and a significant result for the jockey as well james mcdonald we've always known he's talented it's not been without its ups and downs his career over the last two three years yeah, James McDonald was a, a really popular jockey when he rode a, a relatively brief stint in Britain a couple of years ago. Those associated with him were, were sorry to see him go. I know they, they wish that uh, there would have been a, a longer stay here. The betting ban, obviously, which really threatened to derail his career. He's proved that you can come back and rebuild. And yeah, the, the, the Melbourne Cup, very rarely di disappoints, if ever. And this story, both in terms of the horse, the trainer and the jockey, has uh, really delivered this time. Dave, they've much talked about veterinary checks, uh, took their toll again. And there was a horse taken out, a horse called Future Score, that used to race in, in Britain for, for Mick Appleby. What, what's happened here? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Future Score was uh, one horse who wasn't 
allowed to join the field, which went down from 24 uh, to 23. Our listeners may recall Future Score was a Pontefract winner for uh, Mick Appleby and the Horse Watchers before being sold to Australia. Uh, this horse didn't pass the veterinary checks beforehand afterwards uh his the representative of his syndicate terry henderson said that uh procedures had to change I, I suppose what this does illustrate to us nick is that sometimes trainers on this side of the world tend to think that the uh, the the racing Victoria vets perhaps look at with uh, rather more closely at the European runners than they do the Australian ones, and that doesn't seem to be borne out here. Remember that Spanish Mission had uh, a gallop on Saturday morning before being checked over and was then passed. It's it's always an interesting story that rumbles on here, but I think what this does tell us is that uh, that contrary to what some might have you believe in Britain at least the playing field is a level one. But all in all, a pretty spellbinding Melbourne Cup and a sparkling performance from Very Elegant. Congratulations again to her connections, Chris Waller and James McDonald. And we're hoping for more spectacular sport here in Southern California at the weekend. But here in the United States, the racing community, the racing family was rocked yesterday with the news that jockey Miguel Mena had been killed at 7.36 on Sunday night in Louisville, when he was struck by a car, he was just 34 years old. Yesterday, I spoke with trainer Wayne Catalano, who was a, a close personal friend and associate of Miguel's, and this was his reaction. Miguel was always a wonderful young man. He had a smile on his face. He'd come in always cheerful, and uh, he, he's an unbelievable kid, and a great rider, and you know, I feel for his family. He's got two young girls, and that was his eyes, you know. And I, I got a daughter with grandkids, and it's really heartbreaking. And if anybody can go out there and go find me page and help them out, it would be more appreciated. Uh, Jose Santos, uh, David Cohen, they set up a page, and uh, you can reach out to them if you don't like to go to the page. Sometimes people don't like to do that, but whatever you can do to help them, and it's unbelievable a tragedy and leaving behind two young girls and me with two four grandchildren three boys and one on the way a little girl that we're so blessed with that's it's so heartbreaking our trainer wayne catalano on the unimaginably a tragic death of miguel mena who'd ridden over two thousand winners and was a hugely popular figure uh, his gofundme page that uh, is easily accessible has, as I speak to you, had 320 donors already in just 15 hours and has raised $44,796 of its $100,000 goal. Um, so any contributions, of course, for the Maynard family are greatly appreciated. Now, continuing our look at racing around the world and in the United Arab Emirates, very shortly, there will be a return to having runners for once-disgraced trainer Mahmoud Al-Zaruni, Dave Yates. The case was in 2013. Mahmoud Al-Zaruni was banned from racing for eight years in a, a well, I was going to say a, a showcase trial. It wasn't a showcase trial, but, but it was certainly at the absolute centre of the racing media world when it went on. Remember, it was um, it was convened at a time that was convenient to Sheikh Mohammed, uh, it, according to a British Horse Racing Authority statement at the time, which many of us thought was a a, a bit strange, considering that the uh, the offence was committed at Malton Paddocks. Um, 
Yeah, Mahmoud Al-Zaruni has served his eight years. He's entitled to get to, to he's entitled to ask for his license back. He's now got it. He's got runners at Maidan on Thursday, and this will raise lots of questions. Um, he's got his license from the Emirates Racing Authority, in which Sheikh Mohammed must be a massive player. I think that's fair to say. Uh, if he has success, will those runners be allowed to race abroad? What will happen if Mahmoud Al-Zaruri has uh, a horse who's deemed good enough to come and race in Britain? What will be the BHA's uh, reaction to that? The BHA wouldn't want his runners here, but they wouldn't want to upset Sheikh Mohammed either, would they? So uh, that really would put them in a difficult situation. There is no right to have a trainer's license. It's not like being in prison where you serve your time and you have a right to come out. These things are done under license. And so people could say, well, should he have been given his license back? And I suppose one answer to that is that if the BHA had deemed it sufficiently serious, they would have said, your license is taken away forever. Uh, they did it for eight years. Mahmoud Al-Zaruni perhaps is entitled to say, I served my eight years. I thought it was uh, a stiff sentence, but I was repentant. I cooperated as much as I could. I've applied for my license back and now I've got it. And each one of those statements, I think, is hard to argue with. But that doesn't mean to say that there might be uh, a tricky situation for the BHA down the road in a couple of years. Well, back here at Del Mar, I've been catching up with connections of one or two of the leading fancies for some of the Breeders' Cup races. And yesterday, I was talking to Michael O'Callaghan, who trains Twilight Jet. There won't be many more experienced two-year-olds ever to have run at a Breeders' Cup. He'll be having his 11th start in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint, which opens up proceedings on Future Stars Friday. Uh, I talked to Michael as he was uh, tucking into what looked a, a very appetising omelette in the breakfast marquee. Yeah, very nice. Um, we're not. We wouldn't be used to this at home now in in, in Ireland, and um, yeah, it's lovely. We'll uh, be a couple of stone heavier going home. Well, it's, it's fine. I think you can afford it. You're in you're in pretty good shape. But most importantly, the horse looks in great shape. W- what are you feeling from him? Yeah, it's um, it's hard not to be excited by him. The way he's taken his racing through the season, and um, he just got better and better with every run and bounced out of them and got stronger and, and, and his attitude got better and better and better and um, he's travelled over really really well um, we couldn't be more happy with him so um, yeah we're just you know he's, he's won the Cornwallis he's a 10 starts he owes us nothing but um, when, you know when you get something you want a little bit more and a little bit more and um, but I think he wants it too so um, yeah we're really looking forward and quite excited by so, so he's, he's changed hands hasn't he or he's been part sold yeah we've sold 50% of him to um, Mike and Jules Iveron. Um Mike would have owned Big Brown when he raced and um, he's quite excited about it as well yeah, he'll let it's... everybody know as well yeah it's great we haven't met him yet but um, yeah we've heard he's, he's quite a character and a, and a good guy and um, we're looking forward to meeting him during the week um, he's he's so enthusiastic about the game. He's even he's even picked up a couple of horses to run here on Thursday on the turf course just to give Lee Roach a, a spin around. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah. So so it's uh, he's 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 a great guy and, and a great man to have on board. And That's what I call doing your homework. Yeah. So Lee is going to have two rides here on Thursday uh, on the turf course um, just to get a, a feel for how races how races run from the gates here. It's a different story compared to in Ireland. Lee was out here a good few years ago and done plenty of track work but never rode in a race. So um, 
it's it's you know it's a different kind of racing and uh, to to be able to tick that box is 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 great you know how do you think the horse will cope with the bend yeah quite well he's very balanced um you see the way he handled the dip in newmarket in the middle park and his first start there and then when he went back to the cornwallis he just you know it doesn't phase him at all he's very very balanced horse very yeah. expressive horse, isn't he? I've watched him out on the track this morning. He's like a sort of coiled spring, the way he carries himself. Yeah, that's just him. Yeah, he's just... Everything is so easy to him. Um, and that's just the way he goes goes, goes through life in, in every sort of way. He just has a great attitude. And it's sort of... Um, his, his attitude is contagious. He puts us in good form too, looking at him. And um, yeah, so I think he'll handle the bend, no problem. We've had him away to Dundalk, which is Ireland's closest thing to an American-style track. He's been there a couple of times, um, so yeah. So we've, we're crossing as many, ticking off as many boxes as we can. Um, he's jumped out of the gates at home with a bell a couple of times, and we're going to do that here tomorrow as well. A bit of gate practice, and uh, you know, it's just about you know, he's, he, we think he has the ability, and then it's just about ticking off every other box we can. And he has the experience, and he likes fast ground, and so we're quite hopeful. I guess cross for you. Thanks, Nick. Michael O'Callaghan in Del Mar and leaving no stone unturned. Best of luck to him with Twilight Jet, who runs in the first of the 14 Breeders' Cup races, and that will take place on Friday. Now, Hayley Turner has been in the news today. Uh, Dave, what has Britain's most prolific female rider been saying? Well, Hayley Turner has added her voice to in, in the trade paper to a number of comments about the culture of the weighing room. Obviously, this is in the wake of the ongoing hearing yet to be announced into the bullying case between Bryony Frost and Robbie Dunn. And Hayley Turner has essentially said that the the, the weighing room is a, a place in which she has felt safe during her career and in which she essentially doesn't recognise the alleged macho culture, the culture of bullying, except the culture that that some commentators have insisted has to change. It's hers is it's an interesting voice uh, to hear, but it's merely another voice that's really adding to the the sort of white noise, isn't it, that surrounds this case. We've had a hundred and forty page document that's been uh, th- that's the prosecution document that's been played out in two editions of the Sunday Times. Although we didn't have a third instalment a couple of days ago. On the other side, those jockeys who speak out are generally those who are saying, you know, this that the culture that's being described here is not one that I recognise. As I say, all this does is create further confusion. I think that many of us were expecting that at least the hearing was going to be announced imminently. The Professional Jockeys Association last week called for, for the, the hearing to be set aside. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it, it's it's surely in, in the interest of everybody that rather that these things are played out in the racing media and the 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 media beyond the racing media that uh, we we get down to this as soon as we can now news from the jumping world back in the uk and this is what trainer dan skelton has posted on his twitter feed uh, in the last hour or so regarding the horse that fell three out when well clear in the charlie hall chase at weatherby shan blue hi guys this is shan blue obviously you all saw him at uh, weatherby at the weekend and he was obviously Going to win the Charlie Hall, and, and he fell. We've given him a full check over. Um, he is a bit stiff in his neck, 
And speaking to the vets and to Colm, his owner, we decided that we're going to back off for a month completely and get all the soreness out of his neck. As you can see, you can stroke him and pat him. He's not like horrendously sore or anything, but he's just a little bit sore to flex. So we're going to give him the time that he needs. So we'll back off completely for a month and restart. It does mean that we're going to miss both the Ladbroke Trophy and the King George. But he's a young horse. We've got to do the right thing by him. Um, you know, he's not an old horse at all. And you can see him having a, a long career over fences. And we just want to have him 100% right when we go. So we're going to back off for now. Have him ready for the spring. Cheltenham and Aintree. Um, we've just got to do the right thing by the horse. And sometimes with horses... You know, when you try and make it happen, you're chasing. And when you're chasing, that's when results don't go your way and things start to go against you. So we don't want to be in that position with a horse, of any horse, in fact. But when you've got a horse of this calibre, you just cannot chase, chase, chase. So we'll give him the time that he needs uh, and get him 100% right, and you'll see him in the spring. Dan Skelton there, Dave Yates, with a, an exemplary lesson in how to use social media. Yeah, it's a Twitter video, uh, which I think deservedly has... Uh, has drawn lots of praise i you know I, I routinely complain that social media things either should be uh compulsory or banned and again people have, you know have been effusive and gushing in their praise of this and but i, th I think rightly so this this is the sort of thing that uh we need to see i'd, I'd love to see uh trade most top level trainers of both codes uh do this if they were inclined to i think it would make it would it would inform uh the racing public so much better than they are now and news of another um horse who might be on the comeback trail rather soon a goshen um bit of an enigma now but he's coming from a an informed stable yeah i mean this is i think we're getting towards the last chance saloon uh with goshen although i wouldn't say that to gary moore's face um remember you know the a horse who had even at this stage of his young career and he's still what five has had such a, um, a, a a tapestry of a career, hasn't he? That that ten length lead when he came down in the Triumph Hurdle, then some disappointments, then that twenty two length victory at Wincanton before the Cheltenham Festival in the Kingwell, and then the two disappointments behind uh, Honeysuckle, both at Cheltenham and at the Punchestown Festival when. He looked pretty much unrideable at Cheltenham that afternoon. Now, we're going to see uh, Goshen in the Elite Hurdle this weekend, this Saturday at Wincanton, a place that we know suits him very well. And will the real Goshen please step forward? One thing that uh, we... We, one thing that that uh, connections wouldn't be able to rely on is is a, a quiet spell for the stable because Gary Moore is winning with virtually everything at the moment. The last two weeks, ten winners from thirty six runners, a strike rate of twenty eight percent. The Moore family are extremely popular. We've discussed the difficulties that uh, Josh has had over the last couple of weeks and the delay uh, to his operation from after the, pool, the, the fall at Plumpton. As I say, they're, they're a, a very popular family and I'm sure every one of us will be cheering Goshen and hoping that uh, one day we can see this horse deliver on uh, the talent that, uh, well, he's shown, but uh, let's hope that he can deliver it on the biggest stages of all. Well, David, last night, British time, yesterday afternoon, Pacific time, Brittany Erton and I conducted the draw for the 2021 Breeders' Cup World Thoroughbred Championships. And uh, the key headliners regards European runners was that the high-profile horses, Tanawa or Daria, Glass Slippers, the defending champions, 
were drawn either outside in the case of Tanawa in 13 or Daria widest gate of all or inside glass slippers in one. Yeah, that's right. The I mean, the, with a, a track like Del Mar, the, the draw is obviously uh, of great importance. Uh, just looking at the 2017 turf, I know this is a, a very scant uh, body of evidence on which to base our survey. Talismanic won from store one. Beach Patrol was 11. Highland Reel was three. Tanar was in 13. And the, the track, I think, is about seven... Um, seven eighths of a mile, seven furlongs round. Think that Chester is nine. I know they're a different configuration of track, but that can't be seen as an advantage for Tanawa. I haven't seen any reaction from the bookmakers yet, but I'm sure uh, that will come. Aidan O'Brien's uh, Japan and Broom. Uh, Japan got 14, Broom got eight. As you say, Glass Slippers was is on the inside for. Uh, the sprint, just looking at the mile, Space Blues has got three. So I think it's probably fair to say uh, mixed fortunes. Uh, Ordaria is 12 of 12 in the Philly and Mare turf again, which uh, wouldn't be seen as an advantage. Well, to the delight of his very enthusiastic and very well-publicised owners now, boat racing, Hot Rod Charlie, key fancy for the Breeders' Cup Classic, Drew Post 3. In case you're not familiar with the boat racing story, we have featured them on the podcast before. Uh, A bunch of guys from Brown University who got together to own a part of a horse. The horse ended up being uh, second in last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile at a huge price and has gone on to finish place in the Kentucky Derby, uh, win the Pennsylvania Derby, uh, win the Haskell at Monmouth Park only to be disqualified. It's been a a roller coaster ride, but broadly speaking, an incredibly uh, thrilling one for them all. So I got them all together yesterday evening and I began by asking Patrick O'Neill, uh, the nephew of trainer Doug and, and the man who put this syndicate together, how they were all feeling ahead of this next important stage of this horse's career. Hopefully it never stops. I mean, Charlie's an amazing horse and uh, we hopefully will run him through his four-year-old campaign. But uh, it's been an unbelievable journey from 94 to 1 at the Breeders' Cup as a two-year-old to today. We're definitely making the most of it and win or lose, you are definitely going to have a really good time. All right, so when he finished second 94 to 1 in the in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year, two essential quality, of course, who so he's had this tremendous matchup with all the way through the year. What did you think his three-year-old campaign could be? You know, there's a lot of situations where the people who run or the horses who run in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile don't end up panning out. And so to have him follow up that performance with a really, really well-run race in the uh, the Robert B. Lewis and then really run well in the New York, or the Louisiana Derby, uh, we certainly justified how good he was as a horse. And, uh, you know, we didn't expect him to be to run in the Kentucky Derby. We laugh about it all the time. We joke around all the time. But to have a horse in the Kentucky Derby and now have a horse in the Breeders' Cup Classic, it's absolutely unbelievable. All right, what's been your what's been your best moment this year? What's been the moment that has really kind of brought you all together and you've enjoyed the most? I think it's got to be the Kentucky Derby when we had like over 200 people, uh, all of our closest family and friends. It's like kind of at the tail end of COVID and we got a light at the end of the tunnel and everybody gets to gather around Charlie, this amazing animal, and and watch him run in, in the best, biggest race in America. Like that, that could not be beat in my opinion. And, I mean, has it brought you closer together, this? I know you were all good friends anyway, and, you know, it's been an extraordinary journey for a group of guys from college, but um, do you feel more tightly bonded because of this horse? 
Yeah, and this is this is funny that I'm doing this interview. So my name's Abe Dube. I don't own one of these horses. Or excuse me, he, I, he's not, an interloper. Not, not a hot rod Charlie owner. Um, Alex Koizer should be here. The lifeblood within. Where's within, Alex going? Alex Alex is very lucky. He's at Kellogg University and or excuse me, Kellogg College and Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. Woo woo to Evanston. Um, but I actually just got in on a horse with these guys. These guys have made me fall in love with the sport. Franklin One Star. We got to pretty talk much own the horse. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, I, I got the credential. That's all I need. I think it's a great anecdote that Abe's here because our whole thing has been it's beyond ourselves so Abe played football with us at Brown University and certainly there's five of us and we've made this incredible journey but it be, it's beyond ourselves so we've extended it to our best friends and family we had 150 people at the Kentucky Derby we're supposed to have 200 here at the Breeders Cup and so uh, again one horse has made an incredible journey for all of us the hot rod Charlie family is just growing by the minute isn't it you have about a thousand donors by the time he gets in the winner's circle absolutely absolutely I mean I feel like everyone at Delmar is going to be trying to get in the winner's circle on come Saturday is that right boys let's go let's go Well, it's Tuesday, and that means it's time again for the Weatherby's Bloodstock segment on this podcast. Starting to finalise the entries now for the next edition of the number one global stallion guide, the Weatherby Stallion Book and the Global Stallions app, with final stallion entries being received over the next week. One farm which has been a long-time supporter of the Weatherby Stallion Book is Three Chimneys in Kentucky, and it's my huge pleasure to be joined by Rebecca Nicholson from The Stud this morning. Rebecca's Head of Stallion Nominations and Marketing at Three Chimneys. And Rebecca, you and The Stud have had a, a sensational year. Just, just tell us why. Well, Gunrunner has certainly, um, you know, made his mark as a stallion. We're very excited about him. You know, not only is he the leading freshman sire right now, he's also the leading sire of two-year-olds. Um, you know, just fantastic what he's accomplished so far. Having five stakes winners, two grade one winners, and two grade two winners. He's certainly off to a great start. And we'll remember Gunrunner. So often he was seeing the back end of of Arrogate, and then he had his crowning season in the Sun in seventeen, which ended up with that brilliant win in the in the Breeders' Cup Classic at at Del Mar. Tell me a little bit about his sort of stallion profile before he had this amazing start with his with his first crop. What were people expecting of him? You know, I I don't know if people had a lot of high expectations um, in regards to having early two year old types, but I think he certainly you know, exceeded what we, we had in mind for him um, and has just had a lot of early success so far. So we're excited to, you know, see what they do as three and four-year-olds and hopefully as, you know, the sire did, they just continue to get better and better with age. He's by a freakishly brilliant horse himself in Candy Ride who won the Pacific Classic in a, an amazing time. We know how good Gun Runner was. It looks as though in his first crop he might have produced not just some very good horses but an exceptional horse in uh, Echo Zulu, who's a, a very short price favorite for the for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies for Steve Asmussen. Right. I mean, she's, you know, undefeated right now, dual grade one winner, and she's won each three of, or each of her races very impressively. Um, you know, she's grade one winner of the Frisette, the Spinaway. So we're really looking forward to her um, running at the Breeders' Cup. Three Chimneys is such a well-established farm. I'll talk about the history of it in a, in a moment. But just tell me the effect this has had on all of you this year. You know, what, what morale is like around the place because of this. I mean, it's it's fantastic. I mean, to go along, though, for the for the ride of being a co-owner of Gunrunner and witnessing, you know, his six grade one wins, his 10 graded stakes wins, and now get to see him excel as a sire is pretty special, um, you know, for Mr. Torrealba and the whole team here. 
So just take us right back to, to Three Chimneys. It, it seems to be um, well-known ar- around the world. It, it's made a huge impact in, in four decades. How did it all start? Um, it all started in the 80s with the Clay family who, who started this farm and really built it up um, with their stallion roster and also as a boarding facility. Um, and just, you know, Seattle Slough was here and... And you can think of Dynaform or many great stallions um, along the way. So it's really nice to see, you know, Gunrunner here doing so well, um, kind of carrying the name on. And in 2013, the Tori Alba bought into Three Chimneys and ended up, um, you know, buying the farm outright. So they're the current owners of the farm. And since then, you know, um, have had a lot of success uh, with Gunrunner. Um, another stallion on our roster, Volatile, as well as Grade One winner, Fantastic. Um, amongst other, you know, grade one winners that they've they've raced, Restless Rider, Guarana, um, just to name a few. And and of course, Skitter Scatter. And I know the the of association course, yes. between between Three Chimneys and uh, and the Clays who who founded the farm and and the Rogers family goes back a long, long way. Yes, yes, it does. Just tell me a little bit about um, about your own uh, background, Rebecca, and and how you ended up uh, at Three Chimneys. So I, I've been at Three Chimneys for about five years now um, and, and just started out um, actually at Windstar Farm. I was at Windstar before here as well as Margot Farm and, and just previously worked under Chris Baker was, was kind of how I, I ended up here. Um, but prior to that, you know, I did the Irish National Stud and also, you know, worked a season um, in Australia at Eliza Park doing a lot of the sales down here down there and um made my way to, to three chimneys and and how have you found that how have you found the experience oh it's been great and you know gun runner has really been a big part of my experience here because i came on right you know when he was hitting his stride his four-year-old year at the very beginning of that year um and it's great seeing it kind of come full circle with him you know, being such a great racehorse and now getting to to oversee him as a stallion um, with marketing and nominations, it's it's very fulfilling and and, and great. Of course, I guess he, he's the easy bit for next year, even though his fee's gone up 150%. You're not going to have a problem <laughs> filling his book. I guess you that know, he, he certainly made everyone's jobs, I think, a bit easier. So we'll we hope he keeps it up. But we, you know, we're excited about some of the other stallions on our roster. Um, you know, Palace Malice is a stallion who had a Breeders' Cup winner in his first crop with Structor, who won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Um, and following that year, he bred a fantastic book of mares, um, 200 mares that, and right now there are weanlings. Um, so you would expect for him that the best is, you know, in the pipeline and it's yet to come. Um, so that's another stallion that we're excited about, a son of Curlin. Um, as well as Volatile, who's going to be standing his second year here. Um, grade one winner of the Vanderbilt, a horse that just had an incredible amount of speed. Um, we paid $850,000 for him as a yearling, um, and was very well received this year, breeding a full book of mares. Thank you to Rebecca, to all my guests today. Uh, Dave Yates has a selection for you. Yeah, we're going to go to the, the big race of the day that's the Holden Gold Cup at Exeter Jaw for 155 and it's 
Green Teen, Grenatine. I don't know why this horse is pronounced Grenatine. I'm going to call him Green Teen. Anyway, he's running off 168 here. He won the race last year. Paul Nichols says it's it's nearly impossible for him to give stablemate Hitman 17 pounds. We will see. I hope that he can do the job. And it's number one, Green Teen, Grenatine in the 155 race at Exeter, the Holden Gold Cup. Dave, thank you very much. Thank you to my guests and thank you for listening. I'm just about waking up now. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.